As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! In and around Dion Dublin, is Carlo Ancelotti the most international teamy manager who's never managed a national team? Reedy visits the Everton boys. Midfielders who put out fires. The hitherto unraised question of whether a team can call themselves the visitors. The match of the day canned laughter conspiracy. When does a gap at the top become a procession? Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 232 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, how are you? I'm really good. I don't know how you feel after the weekend. I mean, are you torn between these two concepts? I wonder which way you'll sway on this. Are you a giant P45 at St Mary's man (laughs) or a bloke showing the away fans a picture of an empty cabinet on his phone? to demonstrate mm. how few trophies they won in recent years kind of guy. I mean, such high level, the both of them. Hard to pick one. I was very impressed that that Leicester fan was able to get good enough internet in the ground. In Le- is that like, an in, issue? It often is, yeah. Even oh. like, because um, the Wi-Fi is not great. And you might have done it in advance. You- well, this is the thing. That is what I wonder. But that's punchy to do it in advance because you're only doing that surely if your team's winning. You can't be gloating in that way even though the numbers don't change. So I suspect he did it in real time. And so to have the thought to do it and then the bandwidth, um, And impressive. the assumption that people were talking maybe two, three hundred yards away, maybe. Actually, it's not that far. It's a football stadium. About 50 yards away are going to be able to see what's on his little phone. 
Yeah. Madness. I don't yeah. even know, I don't even think that's what a trophy cabinet looks like, Charlie, either. I don't no. think that's a standard trophy. It's like a sort of black metal framed cabinet. It was I mean, it was IKEA, wasn't it? Yeah, no question. Yeah, since whereas like P forty five feels like more variant on a theme. I feel like you might see that in a sort of ninety two, ninety three Premier League years. Hmm. My only my only quibble about the giant P forty five held up by a small child and his dad at St Mary's was uh, presumably they guessed Nathan Jones's national insurance number, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they knew it, which is even weirder. Who knows? Um, anyway, not picking up his P forty five just yet is the returning David Walker. How's it going? Very good. Pleased to be back. Yeah, you are back. You're back from uh, Barbados, Mm. in fact. Your Caribbean exploits or exertions? Which one would you say? Um, There wasn't a whole lot of exerting going on, so I think exploits is more. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One trip on a boat, that's exploits, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Boozy boat trip. Classy from you. Anyway, back to full strength for the education panel. Uh, after a long while. Let's kick off with some breaking news. As we record, Neil Warnock, says the Mail, is set to be named Huddersfield boss on a deal until the end of the season. Really? I know. Wow. Just, this this is, I mean, every single time is just when they thought he was out, they pull him back Mm. in, uh, Dave. But could this be the peak of the manager giving his first press conference and saying, oh, you know, the wife... Couldn't stand well, around the house. I, I think what we need is um, our good friend Brian's gun to do one of his montages of Neil Warnock at press conferences saying, well, I asked Sharon if, if I could go back one more time. She said, as long as it's the last time. Probably one of the bottom three accents we've had on the pod, but it's a competitive <laughs> field. He, but he, <laughs> he's now aware of that, though, isn't he, even? Does that, does he, does that still get... I feel like that was... I mean, he's had so many jobs that that was even a few ago it's sort of got beyond that returning to Huddersfield of course Charlie uh, was in charge of them from 1993 to 1995 got them promoted to the first division so uh, is this unfinished business for Neil Warnock (sighs) wow a long long time unfinished that would have been a good cliches quiz question actually I know had he managed him before I know because I think it's before he's in most people's consciousness Mm. yes yeah yeah, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia just hoping that he hadn't been there so I could so I could talk about how it was amazing that he hadn't been there before, but he has. How annoying. Now, let's follow up on uh, the most absurd evolving story at the elite level of English football at the moment, Charlie, and that is the veneration of the appointed KC to defend Manchester City in their case against the Premier League. Lord Panic is the KC in question. He now has a banner at the Etihad. Panic on the streets of London, it writes. Um, this is unprecedented scenes. I mean, there's a sense, I mean, a hint of irony here. Let's not be too po-faced about mm. this. In that sense, it's probably quite acceptable, but it is, as I said, unprecedented. Yeah, it is a bit, you know, in the thick of it, writers are always asked, like, oh, is it hard for you coming up with stuff? Because, you know, politics is so mad. How do you satire it? I do feel a bit like having spent the best part of a day, I think on Tuesday, sort of just on Twitter with people coming up with ridiculous you know, football fan style things for Lord Panic. And then then stuff like this happens. Kind of like, oh, you can't really parody that. I mean, th- we probably would have joked, like, oh, next thing you know, there'll be a banner with Lord <laughs> Panic and a song. And oh, yeah, there is. I wish we had. I wish we had. I fear this podcast is becoming obsolete. Um, football is becoming, it's becoming starting to second guess us already, Dave. But um, a further twist on this. Now, I may be betraying my lack of understanding about how barristers' chambers work. But Lord Panic's Blackstone chambermate, Adam Lewis KC, is expected to represent the Premier League on this latest case. So they're like, they're going against each other. Ooh. That's, is that common? I, 
I bet it is, but that just seems weird to me. What's a chamber? So is, it, is that their as office? As I understand it, a barrister's chambers, they're all sole traders. They operate independently, mm. but they're all in the same building. They kind of rent the place themselves and they're just all under the same umbrella. It's not the same legal firm as such. They're just all in the same place. So it's not a conflict of interest, but I, but it is weird that they're both in the same building just working on the same case. Nip your head around the door going, what you got on the... <laughs> <laughs> just Pet copying each other's homework. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I think that's right. It's not like a solicitor's firm where, as you yeah, they're employed and they're, they're representing. I thought I was going to yeah. blow the whole case apart, Charlie. I said, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> turns, out, turns out it's not the same. Wait so. a minute. It is extraordinary. I mean, it just... Yeah, I mean, I saw something as well. Um, the Mail on Sunday ran a story saying something like, um, you know, it turns out actually the great Lord Panic lost a case to us a couple of years ago, uh, which I wanted to tweet saying something like, well, he is human after all. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, for- I, f- I forgot to do it. Oh, uh, the potential here is is boundless. Dave, I really hope that uh, Adam Lewis Casey walks out into the adjudication room to the Premier League anthem. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking anthem. Yeah. The anthem getting booed. That's a good point. Do City fans now boo the Premier League anthem as well as yep. the Champions League one? They do, right. Yep. Okay. As it turned out on Sunday, they booed the anthem. Which I guess is like, it's your only outlet though, Charlie. I mean, I, to a certain extent, it is quite childish and quite basic. But at the same time, it, it is their only outlet. It's the only place they can direct their ire towards. Which kind of shows the complete folly of having one. The, the only thing that's ever going to get used for in any circumstance is this. Is, is to be used as some sort of point for people to have a pop at the Premier League. Like, what, wow. if they, if, how else could you do it? If there was no anthem what I mean they'd have to come up with a chant or something I suppose but it's so easy for the, for them to like direct their eye towards this little moment but what, burning it, an effigy of a purple lion <laughs> outside the stadium I don't know I don't know maybe the composer of the anthem Charlie just thought everyone eventually would just love it so much they'd just be sat there going da, 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 da. <laughs> I have to say it does yeah it has grown on me it does now it's in my head now in a way I never thought it would be it sounded right. so plastic and contrived at the time now it's part of the furniture okay well, uh, let's get on to more precedented scenes. Uh, this came from Transfer Pete, who noticed uh, Dion Dublin firing in a quick-fire hat-trick on BBC Radio 5 Live. I mean, if you've got a problem with a player and the player's a problem in and around the ground, as you kind of alluded to, Chappers, in regards, he might not be happy and he might be, you know, becoming a bad apple in the dressing room, then, yes, you have to deal with it, but, you know... I know players in and around the City um, squad and stuff and I, I don't hear that about Cancelo and if you've got a player of that quality you want to try and get him in and around the starting eleven as much as possible. <laughs> Charlie, I think Dion Dublin is now the the uh, prime exponent of in and around. I think he's overtaken Andy Townsend both both in terms of execution and just, just frequency of use. That's an exceptionally... That is a quick, that's like Robbie Fowler uh, against Arsenal in 94, <laughs> isn't it? The, <laughs> in and around world I heard a good on and around in Dragon's Den the other day which was quite it was quite accurate but you just don't hear it very often on and around interestingly Dave uh, someone asked on Twitter at the weekend about um, which we talked about before about hat tricks and and whether we should time it from the time the first one into the third one or whether it should be from the start of the game until the third one in terms of measuring a quick fire hat trick and I I suggested how how complicated the debate can be how polarising it can be um, but in this situation, Dion Dublin didn't didn't utter these phrases until 46 minutes into the broadcast. So is it a 46 minute uh, in and around hat trick, or is it a 26 second hat trick? I'm inclined to go with the latter. Uh, so am I. I think th- 
if you're you're talking about the hat trick is the, the scoring of the goals like so that's that you're measuring the time period it takes for you to score from the first to the third goal i think this mm. that's obvious and it's the same it's the same with with this yeah yeah definitely yeah. definitely yeah that foul on i mentioned was a 5 minute hat trick always described as such that's true yeah, yeah if it's in a very yeah if it's in a small enough space of time that's probably okay uh, but if anyone can beat a three or more in and around at a rate of eight one every eight point seven three seconds, then do get in touch. Otherwise, Dion Dublin is the current king of the art form. What were the three there? So it was it was in and around the city. The starting eleven. In and so around kno- the squad. He knows Dion Dublin knows players in and around the city squad. In and around the stadium. In and around the stadium, which was possibly the most tenuous use. And then finally, Cancelo is someone you want in and around your first team. Which actually isn't a really good usage because it's either in or out of the first team, right? So well, did he say starting usage. eleven? Yeah, did he say starting eleven, meaning I guess he means you know either starting or an early sub coming okay. on. I mean, just because thinking though, is is there like an in and around perfect hat trick equivalent? Like what what are the sort of key? I'm trying to think like with I mean because Tanzo would often talk about. I mean, in and around the box, I guess is the most okay. So commonly maybe we used. haven't done is there this a, before. Is there a body part that like? You know, I remember he'd often talk about like, yeah, you want him in and around the player's legs or something, which is quite weird. Well, I, maybe we haven't done this before, Charlie, but the primary usage, correct or otherwise, of in and around is, I would say, man marking someone, getting in their face, being in mm-hmm. and around the, you know, Jorginho, for example, right. which, which obviously is literally a weird way of using it, but it is probably the most common usage. So I'd say that's number one. I think secondly, Dave, you want to go geography. In mm. and around a city or a region, um, yeah, which is correct often. Yeah, yeah, in agreed. And around, in and around Newcastle, and then the third one's just, it's open game. Do what you like, use it however you like. No one cares anymore. Real shame. So, so a pretty good effort on that basis. Yeah, perhaps actually, yeah. not the perfect hat trick from Dublin, but a pretty good one. Yeah, like two very good goals and a penalty. Mm. <laughs> um, next up, Ben Mouncer. Notice this on the fertile turf that is linked in uh, Norwich City Football Club have a vacancy for an IT manager Dave and they're saying we're hiring for a forward thinking IT manager to join our evolving technology department at Norwich City Football Club a forward thinking IT manager that's it all the all the kind of sentiment of hiring in football now extends to every possible tentacle of a football <laughs> club uh, he just he just wants to get the uh, he just wants to get his keyboard down and, and type out the right way doesn't he <laughs> there's, no, there's no room for proper IT men at Norwich. <laughs> what kind of philosophy should a forward-thinking IT manager have, Charlie? Well, I guess more more dialogue between the IT staff and the non-IT staff. You know, more kind of holistic approach. Often, they're, they're nice. previously Norwich's IT staff have been very faceless. What we want to do is, you know, connect with with the rest of the staff. Look, I'm just here to solve IT issues, um, <laughs> and that's uh, that's all I'm thinking about. Now, for my sins corner, we've gone very highbrow this week to celebrate your return as a for my sins partnership. Um, This came from Michael Sloman uh, and indeed listener Mark Cox, who said, I heard an absolutely sensational For My Sins 28 minutes into Add to Playlist on Radio 4 tonight. I'd be amazed if even the most seasoned player could see it coming. Yes, this is indeed Hmm. Radio 4's Add to Playlist with Keris Matthews and Jeffrey Boacci. Um, I'm not really familiar with the concept of the show, but let's play the clip anyway. You know the rules. Say For My Sins when you think it's about to be uttered. Jeffrey, can you remind us of the playlist so far? I will. Track number one was Nitsok and Lead, Victory Song, from Yiddish Glory. That was followed by Louange à l'Immortalité de Jésus by Olivier Messian, chosen by Anna Lapwood. And that led us to track number three, 
Vogue by Madonna. So using sins. our archaeology analogy Ooh. this week, our trowels are well and truly <laughs> dirty. <laughs> <laughs> this means, Linton, is your turn to move us to a new patch of land to dig. Where does Madonna's Vogue lead you and what's the connection? OK, so I hope you'll forgive me because I've strayed slightly from the brief with this one and the connections I made. I was talking about all the cultural uh, importance of Vogue and the connections I made were mainly through that kind of culture. And I thought we've had this Yiddish music to start and then we had a piece of very somber classical music. We've got a piece of pop. Where can we go next? And another genre that I absolutely love. Uh, for my sins. Oh, is, uh, shit! Now, when I heard Vogue, those words, strike a pose, and I thought to myself, where have I heard? I've heard that lyric somewhere before, strike a pose, strike a pose, strike. And then I was like, and it took me straight back to about 21, 22, and I did a production of this musical called The Scarlet Pimpernel in Liverpool. So there you go. Musical theatre. Musical theatre. That is a good one. Yeah, it is mm. for my sinsy. Although, to be fair, it wasn't. It, was. it wasn't necessarily signposted, but it no, it was, out. It was snuck in there. Mm. Well done. Yeah, I, mean, I think because it... Madonna is. I do think someone might say they're a big Madonna fan for my sins. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that the whole narrative arc of that for my sins corner there. Charlie was the Steven Gerrard against Chelsea in 2014. David Walker the <laughs> Demba Bar of the situation, but couldn't convert. No, couldn't convert. And uh, the title goes to Liverpool instead. Right? Yeah, another one of those next week. I hope. Now we haven't we haven't talked about this for a while. Uh, this is an excellent example of. Uh, Football chat in fiction, trying to look authentic without being able to mention any details. This is from Samuel Owens, who says, A good bit of soap football chat on today's Hollyoaks. They didn't name the club or the player, but the conversation didn't feel fake or forced. Let me know what you think about this. He's the idiot's idiot. Okay, well, obviously I don't agree. I literally just added him to my fantasy football team. You've lost it. The man defends like he's scared of the ball. Well, at least he's not on blue. Ah, that's my boy. Charlie... I mean, I was going to sing the praises of this in terms of how well it, it walked the tightrope of not having to, to sort of mention anything in real life. But at the same time, I also realised that 90% of these soap opera kind of incidental football chats always revolve around that player you like. He's yeah, rubbish, yeah. mate. He's, <laughs> he's rubbish. useless. He's a donkey. Yeah. What is it? Defends like he's scared of the ball. Yeah, it's always uh, something really, it's a really yeah, kind of convoluted yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of analogy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but the use of the blue, oh, at least he's not blue. blue. Yeah. <laughs> FPL as well, infiltrating. Yeah. That was, uh, which, that, that's cool, isn't it? That's a fairly cool way of. Why can't they say it? FPL? That's that annoys me. Fan- what, people, did he, what did he say? My fantasy, fantasy football team. team. Well, that's all right. Could have been. It could have been something else, like Sky or whatever. You know, the ones that weirdos use instead of the he, real ones. Uh, yeah. he, he does the newspaper ones still. <laughs> Posts it in. Yeah. But, that, but for me, that's the difference. That is the difference. We're taking it from the the basic sort of level into really getting that extra level of authenticity. Is there must be someone on the Hollyoaks staff that plays. FPL, just say, oh, I'm put in my FPL team. Yeah, that fine. immediately, that's much better. Is that product placement though? I guess, I mean, but I then, but then also, because... I suppose the average Hollyoaks watcher mm, probably yeah. wouldn't. What the fuck's FPL? Just I don't a know. Fantasy football team. That's all right. Yeah, I, I know. Exactly. Bad. Yeah. Mm. You're nitpicking. You're nitpicking. Back from Barbados, and you're nitpicking. Right. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this one. Next, uh, uh, amid a uh, denial from the Brazilian Football Confederation. 
that Carlo Ancelotti has agreed to become the new manager of the Cellar Sal. <laughs> um, Cliches regular Nick Miller tweeted, is Ancelotti the most national teamy manager who has never managed a national team? Feels quite jarring, Charlie, to discover that he hasn't mm. had an underwhelming two years with Italy at some point in the early to mid-2000s. Great point here, because not only is Ancelotti of the stature to be a national manager by now, he's also has, he's, he's so obviously got the temperament for it as well. Yeah. There's something slight, mm. quite Svenny about him. It's like, I don't give a shit. Just go out there and play. Yeah, you f- he's so chilled out. You feel he'd quite like the pace that a lot of managers then decry and they're like, oh, I just missed, you know, the interaction of a game every week. Or I feel like he'd quite enjoy that. Put his feet a game every couple of months. Yeah, that's exactly. absolutely fine for me. He seems like the sort of bloke who doesn't like the day-to-day <laughs> involvement. Yeah. Also, because now at Real Madrid, because... You know, La Liga's not really on, don't really watch anymore. I do just see, you know, you'll see him at the end of the group stages, then he'll pop up again a few months later for the knockouts. You'll see him every couple of weeks. And you sort of, that feels like that's all he's doing. I sort of forget that he's also doing every every league game as well. I, I Maybe, we, I don't think I'm doing him a disservice, Dave, by suggesting that I don't think he's at, at the Valdebebas training facility at 4am to watch some fucking video <laughs> analysis every day. It just doesn't seem like his vibe at all. He's the last one in, first one out. <laughs> no, I mean, look, not to do the, the great man a disservice, of course. Very uh, you know, amazing career. but he, can, doesn't matter. He, he, do, he doesn't... That's why it sort of felt so weird that he was at Everton, because he, he's got, he, he just got a natural sort of glamour to him that I think would just play really well in international football. He'd effortlessly just move and own that sort of stage, I think. At a major tournament, I could just you could just see him. It would have to be a big country, though, Charlie. I mean, Italy obviously is the standout option there. Um, uh, but I can I can see him as England manager. Can you? Yeah, I think. I mean, in that, I mean, obviously, you get the Capello comparison is the easy one. I mean, that was at a time because. Capello was sort of where Ancelotti, you know, Capello was seen like Ancelotti as just like guaranteed success. I mean, Everton going for Ancelotti was a sort of similar move, being like, right, we've tried everything. Fuck it, let's just get in a guy who we cannot fail with. It's Ancelotti, you know, he'll he'll do a good job. Uh, and and I mean, he did all right at Everton, didn't he? But it he's quite admired in English football, and 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 not just because he's a good manager, but people like him. Like people just like his manner in press conferences. I think he's he's two steps ahead of Capello in that respect. So I don't think I don't think Capello sort of would play into this too much. I just th- I just think he'd be sort of a advanced Sven for England. I think he'd he, be great. That's that's a great way of putting it. He he he's sort of Sven without the sleaze, I think. It's <laughs> just eating. You know? He just loves eating. That's he's, it. I, I actually I've just remembered this now. I met him once when he came into Talk Sports. He was pro- he's promoting a book, I think, and he actually yeah, you know, he actually So glad he's met that he came into Talk Sport once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. And and he was one of those people that just like enters a room and is just just has some mag- Magnetism about him, mm. and but also he's nice. Yeah. Will actually say hello to everyone, and and yeah, and the eyebrow, yeah. the eye, you just can't take your eyes off it. There is that. There is that. Some of the replies to next week, Charlie, were really excellent. Just all surely cliches, listeners, and all just got it as well. Diet Doctor Perpsy says a uh, uh, George Jesus. I mean, surely he managed Portugal, or mm. Iran, or Morocco at something <laughs> at some point. He, I mean, unlike Ancelotti, he obviously he's slight step down in the managerial hierarchy. He could go anywhere, like as the tweet suggests, he could he could go anywhere in the world, and he has that capital of being a Portuguese manager, which is so in vogue these days. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great shout. Yeah, that is a really good one. Should just nod as well. We haven't mentioned, I don't think, the Carlos Queiroz Qatar appointment, which in the 
just feels so right yeah. is uh, has got to be right up there. Oh, we should address the fact that um, I also think that Ancelotti with Brazil feels weird and wrong. That's weird. Yeah. That's really weird. I mean, I kind of think Italian, you know, I mean, I know Capello did did Russia, didn't he? But that's once his start. I know yeah, it's not like doing them like, a favour. This just yeah. feels wrong. Yeah, yeah like doing he- having a heavyweight manager... I can't really think of many examples of that, of a kind of heavyweight manager managing not their own country. And it, but there was always the element of... I mean, they were paying him ludicrous sums of money, weren't they, I think? The, the contract was was even bigger than the one he had for England, I think, Capello. The Capello there, was a, yeah. there was a real feel that but he was just... It was done by then 100%. for him. He was just taking... Yeah. He was just going, fine, exactly. I'll do it. But yeah, with Ancelotti, exactly. he's still, you know, he's still at the top of his game. Holder. Brazil, I, I sort of feel... Brazil ever had it? Would he be the first foreign coach for Brazil? I can tell you that um, Argentinian Filpo Nunez managed Brazil in 1965. Jaresa... 1944 was from Portugal. Uh, Uruguayan Ramon Platero in 1925, of course, Dave. Interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that. 100-year anniversary of that in a couple of years. We should, <laughs> we should do something on that. <laughs> Any voices? Ancelotti feels like... He feels like the except... You know, if you're going to have... If a big nation like Brazil or even someone like Germany or Spain or whatever, if they're not going to have someone from their own nation, I think Ancelotti feels like he's sort of... You'd be happy to have him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's not got any baggage with him, has he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's going cool to ingratiate himself. Yeah, he'll probably just turn up and speak Portuguese at the first press conference while smoking a cigarette and everyone will love him. And he's not considered to be sort of, you know, proper Italian coach. Like He's not going to play eight at the back and <laughs> nick a goal and still win. Whatever. Sorry about that. Anybody who follows Italian football. Um, other shouts. Um, uh, Matthias Hernish. Dave says, somewhat shocked to discover that Alan Pardew hasn't managed some far-flung national team and been fired within six months. Uh, it's 50-50 for me, I've, but I, I still think it is in his locker. I think it's probably one of the only things he's got left to do, right? Because he's been... What country uh, are you going for? Um, Lebanon. Hmm, no, I, I, that's too... I think Pardew would want to go a little bit higher up the um, pyramid, the, the rankings. <laughs> rankings is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... So he's been in. Is he, was he in he was Bulgaria? In and Bulgaria. Yeah, he's, he's done Bulga- Holland, Bulgaria, and uh, and is Greece. Sorry. Has he been over in India? Did he? No, I was. Him? India was. India was going to be mine. Um, I also yeah. think going to be my suggestion. But I. But I think more Indian Super League, more the sort of John Gregory yeah. sort of route than necessarily the national team. I. I suspect in his own head, Paji reckons he's got an Afcon in him, but. Uh, but maybe not. Um, finally, this was a great shout from Lewis Bell, Charlie. Rafa Benitez would be a great international manager. He would. Yes, that he is a would. really... Yeah, if you were told that he actually managed the Greece team that won the Euros in 2004, you'd be like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, they were really good at just defending and winning 1-0. I can see him with a massive lanyard getting a little bit flustered <laughs> in extra time, Dave. Um, <laughs> Benitez is pure international tournament to me. It's, it's, it's the ideal next step for him. I just it, club football just seems like a real trial for him. The thing is, though, although you know, although obviously he has sort of taken a few jobs here and there, like prepa- being prepared to stay with Newcastle in the Championship and all that. Like he's obviously does like a challenge, but also I think he would see himself as like being able to have the Spain job or you know top tier job, I which I don't think China, he's going to get. So Benitez managing China. And just mm. leaving in disgust. Well, he was over there, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He could still get a good. I mean, like Roberto Martinez, who's you know much maligned in this country, has mm. had Belgium and now Portugal. Portugal. You know, two two plum managerial jobs. I, I given the pool is a lot shallower. 
I, I wonder if Benitez could still get a, a pretty decent job. Yeah, I reckon Benitez would fancy England. I reckon he'd be in the frame, put himself in the frame for the England job. I'd say that ship has sailed, but mm. you could totally imagine it happening anywhere between 2007 and 2014, easily. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly in the Hodgson era, that could easily have happened. Easily have been Benitez. It'll turn out he was interviewed or something and did a PowerPoint. I guarantee it. Let's stay on a vaguely Everton feel because uh, I, I imagine, Charlie, you at least daydreamed this, let alone said it out loud. But Sean Dyche invited Peter Reid yes. to yes. Finch Farm last week to speak with the Everton squad before the Merseyside derby on Monday night. Uh, Dyche wants the current Everton squad to get a feel for the club. This is perfect. Let's run through. Sadly, this was not caught on camera. This was for the papers, this part of the press conference. But let's read out some quotes. Let's run through it line by line. Dave, I know Reedy a little bit. You can get gold nuggets off these guys. They're brilliant fellas. <laughs> uh, who are we to disagree? Yeah. We've heard his work on the uh, Keys and Greg podcast. Yeah. Full Keezy, of gold of nuggets. Lobbied for Peter Reid yeah. to be brought in alongside Dyche in some capacity, Charlie. So that's coming to fruition. Keezy getting proved right a lot these days. I yeah. I mean, Keezy's got us on strings. I mean, Keezy in his blog, I love this. He said, Reid would be a breath of fresh air around Goodison and no threat to anyone. Which is just such an odd way to champion someone. Like you won't, you won't, you'll barely notice he's there. Dice playing it down though, Charlie, a little bit. With Reedy, it was just about coming in and having a cup of coffee to speak to the staff. Very casual. I asked Graham Sharp as well, and hopefully Big Joe Royal will too. Brian Kidd is another. Just reeling the names off. This is great. Just no, no, no strategy to it. Just old, old Everton people coming in and having a chat. Big Joe, yeah, Joe Royal, who of course uh, lost the legal suit against. The great Lord Panic KC. Yeah. Um, they, they've gone head Can't to head. I he's so going to show his face anywhere. <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming full circle. Yeah, I mean, Reedy, I did look at this when um, Keezy was suggesting it. Reedy last played for Everton in 1989. That is quite a long time. That's That'll be 34 years ago this year. So, you know, in the, it just in the kind of like, he knows the club. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm not denying, you know, he is Mr. Everton. That was the, that was their Everton. greatest period of their, it was, of their life. It, it, right. it was, but I but I just wonder, yeah, may, maybe those things do still matter to, you know, your young Evertonians. But um, it's it's quite a, lo- a long time has passed. Those names that you just reeled off there, like, are they not just sort of, have they not just kind of been knocking about anyway? Yeah. <laughs> They're always at Goodison Park, aren't they? He was up there in the hospitality the other day anyway, yeah. Should have just grabbed him. Should have just grabbed him, Sean. I mean, that was all just a preamble, really. This this is to both of you, frankly, to see who reacts the most. Uh, and other coaches, says Sean Dyche, hopefully Eddie Jones will come in. People I know in sport and Eddie beer. Jones? Yeah. Why is it always I, Eddie Jones? I know. I, saw, I did see that and thought, yeah, that feels so right. I mean, what club... Or manager as Eddie Jones not come in and just exchanging ideas, just different, different ideas. sports, different yeah, ideas. It's just it's different ways of doing things. If it wasn't for the timing of the Merseyside derby. I bet Daishi would have been out of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He's a magpie. Just That's getting it. ideas from everywhere. More of an out of work manager thing that though, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, yeah. He continues. It's never wrong to speak to Peter Reid. If anyone asks, who's that little fella there? I will say he had a heart as big as a bison and he could play. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that little fella there? <laughs> <laughs> Who would the Everton squad would say that? I was going to say, imagine Alex Awobi or who's someone. Who's that little fella who's, over there? What, who, like also, yeah, why is he always in the dressing room? Like, could, does anyone introduce this guy? <laughs> who is that? <laughs> That's really. Don't know who Peter Reed is, mate. It's fine. Heart as big as a bison, and mate, oh, he could play. He could yeah. play. Oh, oh, he could play. Just let me, a bit. Let me tell you, he could play. <laughs> Right. 
let's pick up the pace a little bit on this adjudication panel here. This came from Elliot Rothwell, who was watching um, Chelsea versus West Ham on Saturday afternoon. And this was Rio Ferdinand on BT Sport, talking about West Ham's Pakatar Rice midfield axis. But here you see Paquette getting back in, creating extra number in there to go and win the ball back and then playing forward. But Rice here, this is where he's great, in front of the back four there, sniffing out fires, making sure he sees, sees opportunities to go mm. forward. That's the bit I love about his game now that he's brought on. Now, Charlie, <laughs> less bothered about the mangling of the cliches there, um, sniffing out fires, and more about um, a, our little stock take that we should do of this particular midfield art form. So... Um, there's sniffing out danger, right? What 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 constitutes sniffing out danger for a central midfielder? Well, it's that sort of thing where you kind of track back. You see that someone's getting ahead of you into a dangerous position and you come and you, you nick the ball or you barge them off it or something like that. Concede a throw, maybe. So, right, Dave, that's kind of more proactive kind of central midfield, almost like McAuley style, sort of there is no essentially no threat you've got in there before a threat has emerged. You're You're sniffing out danger before it's even had the chance to rear its ugly head yeah so it's not like a last ditch tackle or anything but it's just like Charlie said it's just you're in the right place at the right time you're in there I think it's I think of like N'Golo Kante he's just he's just busy and he's just he's just nipping the ball away from from attackers feet exactly right now the other half of this mangled cliche Dave was um, putting out fires now I suspect I think that's a more advanced situation where a a threat has Mm. emerged and mm. it is a little bit more last ditch, isn't it? So it's more sort of sliding tackles, barging people off the ball, maybe even a your tactical foul here and there. That's putting out fires, isn't it? it it's more advanced. Yeah, putting out fire. Yeah, you, it's all it's it's an emergency situation. I mean, whereas I guess whereas, whereas the the earlier example is making sure that there are no hazardous flammable well, exactly. objects. Yeah, around. I think the, yeah. the sniffing out the danger. You'd be seeing a couple, you know, a few kids playing with matches, and you say, hmm. And there's maybe a link. Just going to take those from nearby. You for- yeah, I just I I can sort of see where this is going. Uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna sniff out this danger before I have to put out a fire. The best the best defence midfielders don't have to put out fires. They've sniffed the danger already. Looking around, you going, this is eerily like a 1980s public information film. I see something <laughs> happening here. It's the first five minutes of Casualty. We can't have this. Um, put this to bed right now. Okay, excellent stuff. I'm glad we've got to the bottom of that. I did great, you see. I, did, I mean, I did great. Yeah. I won the European Cup Winners Cup. I won the Spanish Cup. I won the Super Cup and finished second in the league. And we played 14 games and more than Real Madrid did. Capella was at um, Real Madrid. He won the league by two points. He won it by one, one game. And we played that year 14 games more than they did right. that season. Because we went all the way to the European Cup Winners Cup. Yeah. They didn't even play in Europe that year. We right. did. And we won it. So I played all those matches. I lost my job. That was the unmistakable voice of Sir Bobby Robson, talking to me, George Culkin, during the months and years before he died. Thanks to the generosity of his family, the Athletic are marking what would have been Sir Bobby's 90th birthday this weekend with Bobby 90, an exclusive four-part podcast series featuring previously unheard interviews with one of football's most iconic figures. It's packed with stories about growing up in the North East, managing Newcastle United, Barcelona, England, as well as players like Gaza, Brian Robson and Alan Shearer. And it details his repeated bouts with cancer, establishing the charitable foundation which carries his name. It's Bobby at his charismatic 
and emotional best. Listen to Bobby 90 for free by searching for Pollen the Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all usual podcast providers. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Now... Berwick Rangers were on their way to a 1-0 win at Gretna on Saturday and their Twitter account gave this update. Keeper gets caught under a corner, flaps at it. It falls at the feet of a number of Berwick players, but it's Allen who converts. A solid start to the second half for the visitors. Nil one. Matt Flywalker drew my attention to this, Charlie, and says, can you call yourself the visitors? Blew my mind! Not a question anyone has ever asked in the history of humanity. Mm. Can a team call themselves the visitors? I instinctively think, no, feels wrong. That, that does feel weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is Why weird. Why is it wrong? Because no you, might, you might, as the home team, you know, talk about our visitors today or the visitors. But it does sound odd for you it's to weird, do it yourself. It? It, it, I can't think of the nuts and bolts of why it's wrong. On the flip side, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you, you equally wouldn't call yourself the home team either, would you? You wouldn't call yourself the hosts. the hosts. The hosts, 1-0 to the hosts here. It, it's... Sort of impersonal. Sort exactly. Of. There's there's too much distance. You don't, I think that's you don't what it need is. elegant variation for yourself, do you? Basically. No. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's. You've what got it the is. nickname. Yeah. Us. Yeah. We. Us. Or, yeah. This is exactly the sort of thing this podcast exists for. Previously undiscussed minor points finally being brought to the nation's attention. Also, the the one the the other reason why it works well for the home team to say one nil to the visitors, it's like we don't really want to dignify them yeah. by calling them yeah, anything yeah, 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 yeah. anything flattering. So we we'll just refer to them as the visitors. It's so jarring in a way that Charlie, if I read that tweet 
in isolation, I'd think they were talking about the other team. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's how it is. But yeah, maybe these rules exist to be broken. I don't know. Ra, really enjoyed this. Now, listeners may recall um, a sensational piece of broadcasting from Aaron Paul on BBC Five Live last week on the adjudication panel, uh, where he managed to completely inadvertently synchronise his match preview hmm. with the rhythm of Freed from Desire by Gala. Uh, this is perhaps the follow-up effort. This was spotted by Mark Ingram, who was watching highlights of Bournemouth versus Newcastle on Match of the Day. It's perfectly timed, he says. This is the Match of the Day equivalent of canned laughter on a terrible 1970s sitcom. I've always wanted to do this, you know. Uh, your commentator at the Vitality Stadium is Mark Scott. While Eddie Howe has banned talk about the League Cup final at his house, he says he's been getting random texts from numbers he doesn't recognise asking if he can get them tickets. I'd have thought Alan Shearer would already be sorted. (laughs) 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 Love this. Yeah, so good. The timing, I mean, the actual sound itself, Charlie, would would be the sound that you would make. I think it's it's excellent. It really is. it's absolutely perfect. Mm. It's also just it's such like low level kind of patter as well. You know, it's just so quintessentially match of the day inoffensive patter, mm. uh, and then it gets that response. Do we suspect foul play? Oh no! What you what you're saying? The editing? Yeah, what you're suggesting. So I'm not I'm not saying it was planned, but it, it could could if someone was it. editing, you could just. Just tweak it a little bit so it and, just hits perfect. But if you want people to notice, then they're going to pick up on it. So it's a difficult, it's a bit of a, um, a catch-22 for you there. But Right, easy one for us now. Premier League tweeted during um, Saturday's action. Goal, Arsenal won, Brentford won, 74 minutes. The hosts don't lead for long. Some good work in the box is eventually poked into an open net by Ivan Tony. Will mm. Chadwick writes in, Charlie, and says, surely you can't poke in a header. Simple as that. I think that's right. That does sound weird. Just a yeah. nod, isn't it, Dave? It's just a yeah. nod. Yeah. Good. You can't you can't poke anything with your head. No, your head's too big. Poke it. I just poked it with my head. It doesn't work. It doesn't work <laughs> in any situation. Um, just, oh, I suppose you could just 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 poke your head in, will you? Just poke your head in around the corner. Pop your head. Uh, pop, pop, your just head. pop your head in, yeah. Just yeah. poke my head in. Yeah, you can poke your head in. Have a little... Yeah. But you couldn't poke something with your head. That's Poke your nose in. You poke your nose in because it's it's pointy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, don't poke your nose in. Fine. Now, we've talked about unfinished business on this podcast quite a lot, Charlie. Uh, a potential interesting case study for us might blow the whole unfinished business landscape apart. Um, reports of Jesse Marsh being considered by Southampton mm. to be their new manager, at least until the end of the season. Now, the possibility may arise of him coming in, being unveiled and saying, look, I've got unfinished business with the Premier League. Preemptively, I'm not having it because he, in, in many ways he hasn't left. He still lives in Harrogate, by all accounts, hasn't sort of gone anywhere, certainly hasn't taken a job anywhere else. So he's not really left in any kind of existential way apart from employment. Well, I mean, come I No, I think it would, I think it would be a textbook case of unfinished business. Wow. He's been sacked not long into into the into a massive job for him with all the added pressure of him being an american and all that stuff yeah. that comes with it so he's, he's it's a clear case of unfinished business for me i see where you're going my counter argument is this the reason it's suitable for managers who've gone away and come back again is that it's a little bit less desperate you know they went away they tried something else and they've come back and they think Do you know what i'm going to give this premier league lark another crack now with jesse mm. marsh it'll look a bit desperate it won't it yeah because be like i've yeah. left i've that. got another job straight away i'm not finished with this place I'm i see around. i do see that i'm I do not ready see to that. go yet <laughs> then yeah it's a tricky one that you think there needs to be a longer gap 
I think there should be an, either more time or another chapter in his career, however short, before he mm. comes back. This is just a continuation of that existing business. I think so. I think so, yeah. Which which offers up the whole new theory that business can, cr- you know, cross clubs, which I think can be the case. So yeah, I know, I definitely think it can. Yeah, okay, good. Back to the Etihad then, where Manchester City took out their frustrations on Aston Villa. First of all, Mike Hull, 84, um, refers me to a push notification he got from Sky Sports who said, uh, Manchester City race to a 1-0 lead against Aston Villa. Uh, Mike Hull, 84, asks Dave, can you race into a 1-0 lead? Surely it needs to be at least 2-0. And on that thought, what minute is the threshold for racing into a lead? Yeah, I think... Because even, even if they were to score in the first minute you know, some sort of absurdly early time, you still, you wouldn't need to say raced into the lead because it, the, the the interesting thing, the notable thing would be they've scored after 46 seconds or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you do need the second goal because that is, they're putting, and they're off into the distance. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no literal reason for this, Charlie, but I mean, the fact that Dave said those words specifically makes me question it even more. You can't race into a lead so therefore, you can't race into a one-nil lead, and it is most commonly used for two and three. So it's simple as that. Yeah, but I do hear like that. I, I do hear raced into an early lead. I, I feel like that is something that's said, maybe erroneously. You, I don't need to say raced into a one. I mean, yeah, raced into one-nil lead sounds really weird. Yeah. I think there are um, there are other sort of running slash athletics based words that you would use phrases that you would use. You've come, they've, 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 they've come flying out the blocks here. Yeah. Oh, that but do you need thing. to have scored to be come to having come flying out the blocks? No, I no, think it's just like Sarraj of early pressure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, often you haven't. I think yeah. it's a, like oh, they've come flying out the blocks here, and you know they've done well to live with them. Yeah, I think it's like a goal's coming. I, yeah, it's ten percent of me says you can have a goal. If you come mm. flying out the blocks, but I yeah. think it is. I think you can. Early I think pressure. you can. Usain but Bolt you, never you... came flying out the blocks, did he? No, famously, famously bad starting. Yeah, right. Good. Meanwhile, uh, as Man City raced into a three-nil lead by half time, that's okay. Oh yeah, we didn't do the minute. Like, at what point can you no longer race into a two-nil lead? Twenty-five minutes? Yeah, I think twenty, maybe. Really? I think if you if half an hour, you... half an hour is actually all right, isn't it? That's just no. I think that would no, sound. I think like... half an hour would be an acceptable amount of time to be normally into a two-nil lead. So yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think if like twenty-four minutes have raced into a two-nil lead, I think that might feel a little goal every twelve minutes at the start of the game. That seems fair. Maybe. I think twenty seems need, reasonable. Well, I think you need another goal. I think I think if you were three up within twenty four minutes, you could say oh. race into a three 0 lead. But I think if you Definitely. were, yeah, every ten minutes. That's why I think every ten minutes is good. I think that's okay. It can't be too absurd. It can't be like five nil after half an hour because then then racing goes out the window and it's about what the fuck is happening here. So it can't be too cartoonish. So I think ten minutes per goal is actually a very good way of doing this. But at half time with Man City three nil up. Sandy Rush tweeted me, Charlie, and says, Adam, is this a textbook example of Villa meeting a wounded animal? No! Mm. (laughs) No way! Very limited set of scenarios that result in being a wounded animal and administrative kind of misdemeanours, no matter how many charges you face, are not one of them. But do you think that's just because there's so little precedent for that? I mean, it's very rare that if ever... I mean, clearly it's unprecedented. The team has more than 100 charges. No, I think it, I think the textbook case for a wounded animal is being dumped out of Europe. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Um, not even like Carabao, which is like a humiliation. I think it's painful stuff, like a heartbreaking European exit against someone explicable, like a, I don't know, 
Bayern Munich or something like that. Well, yeah, Man, Man City have often been a wounded animal because they've had so many of those painful Champions League exits. Exactly. So, yeah, that's wounded animal territory. Finally, at the Etihad, uh, Villa pulled a goal back through Ollie Watkins. And Daniel Hurley said, Martin Tyler described Ollie Watkins' goal as a typical Ollie Watkins goal. Has Ollie Watkins scored enough goals to have a typical goal? And if not, what is the threshold amount of gold for a certain type to become typical? Can you put a number on it, Charlie? Is, it, is that something we could do? I don't know. I mean, you sort of know. They need. I feel like for a typical, they need to have had at least one season where they scored a lot because your casual fan probably won't really remember many Ollie Watkins goals unless he'd scored a cluster. If he, if, if Ollie Watkins had one twenty goal season, there would have been a period where Match of the Day did a thing on. Look at Ollie Watkins. He can't stop scoring. His runs are so intelligent. I, I feel. I don't know if they're that. Spe- I mean, like. Darius Vassell, does he? Did he? Was there a typical Darius Vassell goal? He probably scored between fifty and hundred Premier League goals. I guess. So this is a good test here. I haven't seen the goal. Okay. So I'll try and describe what I think is an ideal, a typical Ollie Watkins goal. That's, and the, you tell that's me, the litmus test for this phrase. Yeah. I think it's running in behind on a slight angle. He doesn't always play right through the middle, does he? So he's sort of in the half space, or sort of yeah. running, running into the area. And a confident finish with a with a reasonable amount of power Correct. into into the far corner, probably a little bit more central than you've described. It, 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 he latched onto a very good through ball through the middle. Uh, Edison came out quite quickly, uh, but it was a one on one situation. Watkins' power more than anything kind of took him through, rather than kind of you know real speed. Like, like he didn't glide across the turf. He sort of bound, he sort of barreled through in a kind of Watkinsy kind of way. And sort of stuck the ball past Edison, but it wasn't. He didn't finish with a plum. It was a powerful-ish finish, but it wasn't a rifle. So that's what. It, that's why I would kind of classify Watkins as a good runner and a decent finisher, but not an exquisite finisher. So maybe this is a typical Ollie Watkins goal, but it's also a typical goal of maybe about fifty other strikers in English football. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. But, Ollie Watkins doing Ollie Watkins things. Yeah, essentially. How do we feel about this? This is Keith Hackett writing in the Telegraph. After the VAR shambles of the Premier League this weekend, he said quite simply, the honeymoon period is over for Howard Webb as PGMOL chief referee officer. <laughs> Can you have a honeymoon uh, period uh, as the chief refereeing uh, officer? I have some sympathy. I mean, in the world of referees, because didn't Howard Webb, he gave a Sky interview and wasn't there a little bit of, well, you know, it's good to see Webb, you know, he's putting himself up. It was a bit you know, of a charm offensive, he, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a bit. And it was like, you know, he's explaining, that's all we want. We just want him to explain and be open. So I think there was quite a lot of goodwill to... To Howard Webb, so I think I think that that sort of works. I'm kind mm. of getting won over by this now, Dave, because I now recall that Howard Webb. I think it, I can't remember which game it was. Was wheeled out on Sky or BT before the game to chat with the pundits, and they treated him like a god. It was like it was like a sort of um, a great manager was just in the stadium that day and, and had. Ha- and agreed to come down and have a little chat with them. They were like, oh, you know, what the things you're going to be doing for referees over the next few years? How do you see refereeing really sort of evolving in English football? Treating him as like the doyen of referees. I think partly because Mike Riley had was so much maligned that literally <laughs> literally anyone who came into the job would, would, would get a, have a bit of a honeymoon. But also... The opposite of a tough act to follow. Yeah, yeah also, um, there is something about Webb, it's sort of similar to how we were talking about Ancelotti earlier. He's, pre- he's got presence, he's a big bloke. Is it the bloke. ex-copper thing? The ex-copper thing always gets brought up. I don't know, there's sort of... People think they're being... People think they're suspects. 
<laughs> they, they treat him with way too much respect immediately. Instantly, just yeah. sort of oh, back goes oh, I don't out. know. Like, you, yeah, oh, you can ask me anything yeah, you like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but also yeah, because with that there was a lot of Webb did speak well. That, yeah, you know it did. It, yeah, it, it, it did. Was. It, it, was. it was well received. Okay, In, uh, well, if that's the gateway to honeymoon periods for referee chiefs speaking well, just like managers, then maybe I'm on board with it. Right, I adore this. Quite frankly, came from Jack. He says, I really enjoyed last week's adjudication panel. The book with all the characters named after footballers reminded me of a mate who went to see his friend DJ in Peckham recently. Everyone had been a bit slack in getting their names to him for the guest list, so he just handed the venue a list of the Nigerian squad from France 98. Female <laughs> friends arriving and having to say they were Celestine Babiaro or Finidi George. Hope the story is of use. Yes, Jack, it's brilliant. Thank you. Wow, what a cool... That's brilliant. Is it, is it a bit cringe? No, it's not. It's cool, isn't it? It's a cool thing to do. I, what a squad to choose, Charlie. Sunday Olise. What a great bunch of, what name of lads would you, that squad was. What name would you give if you were turning up to that guest list. I think I would go Sunday Olise. I think that's the coolest name. But they, were they told in advance? People knew. Yeah, I, I imagine they did yeah. have the list I presume of they'd names. been all assigned names, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ne- next Clichés Live show. Great little gimmick, isn't it? Yeah. I am slightly baffled by the by the concept here. but um, No, you're worried about how the logistics of it all works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They all it's have names. Yeah. They can say anyone they like, but it, all, but it performs the same functions having an actual name on the guest list. Only you have access to those names. And you give it. So no one else would know. So you're not going to sneak your way onto the guest list because who else would know that it was the Nigeria squad from 1998? Yeah. That's okay. how it works. What squad would you choose, Dave, if this was your DJ gig? Oh, well, obviously the Watford promotion winning side of 2006, I think. <laughs> nice. Uh, Charlie, I think I'd go for a sort of Allardyce era Bolton because there's something that in there would... for everyone, isn't there? Yeah. We're just chucking in like a Steve Howie. Yeah. Um, one of those that no one's thought of. I mean, like. <laughs> the guy at the door going, ooh, good one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pointless answer. Good one. <laughs> nah, I don't think you played for him, mate. Actually, <laughs> he did. Yeah, he was actually injured that year. He yeah. wasn't in the Nigeria squad. So, poor uh, from you, Charlie. What squad would you choose? I don't know. I mean, like we did it, didn't we? One of the quizzes, but the Reggae Boys, the '98 Jamaica team, the sort of uh, I- iconic squad. Uh, I think I'd want to do I'd want to do a World Cup one, maybe like USA '94 or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, what a good idea. Um, the iconic squad that you couldn't really name many of. <laughs> or the Reggae Boys. Yeah, what when I meant Anthony Gardner? Oh no, Ricardo Gardner. Exactly. Oh, he's done it again. Done it I thought again. you were joking. Oh no. god, oh, it's gone from bad to worse for you. Right, next up, Giancarlo Rinaldi writes in and says Napoli are 16 points clear in Serie A with 16 games to play. Inter could narrow it to 13 points on Monday night, but how far? clear do you have to be for it to become a procession and does it also depend on how many times you won the league before charlie let's address the second point first hmm. do you need to have won the league before for it to become a procession now yeah i think to a certain extent that does make a difference because otherwise you can always say oh but it's never easy until you've done it um you know even with that bigger lead if, you, if you've never done it before getting over the line is always tricky so the the specter of doing a Devon lock will always hover <laughs> over a first time runaway leader is that what you're saying exactly oh, right. yeah um, whereas if you're a serial winner you know if that's Juve or if it's City here you'd be you'd be far more likely to call that procession early. Well, I mean, that, that will make sense, Dave. I mean, the idea of a procession is a kind of a confident but casual amble um, with from someone who has some established status. So I guess you need to have won the league before to make it they, a procession. They have won the league before, though, haven't they? I, mean, I know, but recently. But, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Don't get... Don't fuck off. 
<laughs> now, I don't know, I was thinking, is, is Syria, uh, is it always been Syria? There's not like a Premier League 1992 situation no, in Italy, basically is basically all Syria, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think it is a procession. I think they are in procession territory. I don't think it matters too much about your your previous, your history. I think if if it... If you're if you're that far ahead and you're still confidently winning, it is a it is it is still a procession. Would you accept that they're simply marching to the title? At the moment, it looks that way. Yeah. All right. So if it is a procession, sixteen points or thirty, whichever way you look at it, is probably okay. What well, that's a decent threshold for a procession with sixteen games left. Yeah, with sixteen games left, that's absolutely fine, isn't it, Charlie? The interesting thing with procession, though, in football terminology, is like a lot of football language, you often hear about it as a you know, an, almost a negative thing, like, oh, and if, it, you know, there's a risk that this will turn into a procession or, and you, you know, without Liverpool, this could be a procession. So often you're talking about the fact that it isn't quite a procession. There's a fear, you know, procession is such a fear we have. That's supposed to be enjoyable uh, you know, events, processions. Well, we hate them. You could have a funeral we, procession, couldn't you? Yeah, but they're like the enemy, especially modern football, where you've got all these leagues being won by the same team. Quite boring, though. I think any kind, any procession in yeah. any mm. will be a boring thing. They're slow and just, and, and they're inevitable. You know the end point. The, cor- the procession that we'll have when King Charles gets coronated will be boring. That way. It'd be glorious, glorious in a kind of overall way, but specifically quite boring. Maybe that's what it's all about. But then I suppose in a, in football in context, what would we what would we what? So we, would we want William to be just behind him <laughs> on his shoulder? <laughs> you sure you want it, mate? You sure you can handle it? <laughs> we'd want, yeah, we'd want a proper race. Uh, but between the two, jostling for position and it changing every week. When you say things like that about a queen, about a queen <laughs> consort like Camilla, I, I've kept quiet. But... He's got to go to Highgrove and get something. <laughs> Just when you thought he's got to go to Venue X and get something, Joe could want in. Dave comes roaring back from Barbados with that. Superb. Because I think it'd be more that the king would go to do some, you know. <sighs> regimental thing in part of the, in a far-flung part of the Commonwealth and gaff and that would be the equivalent of dropping points in a difficult place suddenly Williams back in the game yeah. it's it's going to be it's going to be there are going to be a lot of twists and turns in this race oh dear I'm out of breath that was brilliant right brilliant great adjudication panel today uh, the more observant among you will realise there's no keys in grey corner this week well there is no notable keysiness to get stuck into this Tuesday uh, what we really need Charlie is for their podcast to get firing again that's where the real gold was what's happened to their podcast mm. yeah that's how much weird. How, how can they have less time on their hands than they had before the World Cup what are they doing get your podcast sorted lads have they used up all their guests they can't have done. There are loads more. Warnock's got a job now by mm, all yeah. accounts, so there's nobody left. Reedy's busy. Reedy's yeah, Reedy, busy. Reedy's busy. But are any of those other Everton legends? Could Joe? I mean, someone's just me. Joe Royal. He's quite He's a potential guest for Kane. What's Joe yeah. Royal's nickname? Would they call him Royley? Big Royley? Joe. It's Big, Big Joe, man? isn't it? Big, Big Joe. Joe isn't Big it? man. Yeah. Big, Big man. Joe. Big Joe. Yeah. Don't worry. Keys and Grey Corner will return when we're good and ready. Thanks to you, David Walker. Welcome home. Thanks. Good good to uh, blow off the cobwebs mm. today. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back, I believe, with a Mesut Harland Dicks on Thursday. Cheerio. The Athletic. <laughs>